Good morning, my sweet babies. It's your normal host, dare I say the better host, uh, coming to you with not only the reason for waking up, which is coffee, but letting you know that Comics Inebriated actually has its own coffee. That's right. Rootless loves us so much, and they better, that they were willing to give Comics Inebriated its own roast. You can grab that over at rootlesscoffee.com. And for all their other products, including fresh ground beans that you can have sent to your door, or perhaps even a pair of sweatpant joggers that have Rootless logo on them, uh, you can get any of that and or some of their signature roasts for 20% off using morning coffee. And again, you should also check out Comics Inebriated New Roast uh, featuring, you know, the wonderful artwork that Matt and I did for the podcast. Not only that, but it'll fuel you to listen to the rest of the episodes. And maybe Jono will even sweetly sing to the coffee bag before it's shipped out. Who knows? Anyway, you can get 20% off most of the stuff on the site using the code MORNINGCOFFEE. Love you guys. Comics Inebriated, a podcast about the history of fiction and nonfiction in comics, along with current events, hosted by comic creators Liana Kangas and the guest Matt Emmons. Welcome back to Comics Inebriated. I am your host, Liana, and I have my co-host here, I guess. I'm sorry to disappoint you with me being here. It's me, Matt Emmons. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, and we are graciously joined today by not only award-winning, but award-refusing, uh, really cool human being that uh, I adore very much, Chip. Chip, Whoa. how are you? Hey, you know, pandemic. I'm doing pandemic. That's like, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, Couldn't, couldn't uh, have said it better. I'm neither in the depths of despair or uh, the highs of life. I'm just in pandemic. You've just decided you're, you cease to exist. Yeah, I believe the New York Times called it languishing. Languishing. That's, that's the word for what people feel during this time. So yeah, so languishing. Well, I'm really I'm honored that you would come hang out and have a little rosé with us. Mm-hmm, right? The rosé. The rosé. When, uh, when you emailed me that, I I didn't scream, but I definitely was like, oh, what a stellar guest to have on and also picked my drink of choice so i'm 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 not a i'm not a hard alcohol guy um it's funny my my wife is so whenever we go uh, to a restaurant um she'll order like like bourbon or something like that and i'll order like whatever has a, an umbrella in it yeah. like sweet drink and she sounds like a really cool good. really cool person no she's I, she's, I she's much cooler than <laughs> i am but, but always like when when uh the the waiter or waitress comes to uh drop off the drinks they almost always put the wrong drink down in front of us because of you know standard sexism and as yeah. i look i look really tough yeah so clearly i'm the one getting the bourbon meat ready to slam that bourbon down yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. you're you're here to actually talk about one of comics's well-known tough guys, right? Mm, I think, true. yeah, 
Yeah, who are, who are we talking about tonight? Lyman. Lyman. <laughs> you don't know Lyman? I don't. He's like I can't the toughest even guy. He's the toughest guy in comics. Oh, he was uh, originally in the, the comic strip Garfield. He was um, uh, John Arbuckle's roommate, who just kind of got downgraded <laughs> to like friend, and uh, who just got downgraded <laughs> even further to gone. Is there like a divorce of friendship? Is that is that how that played out? I've never. I don't, yeah, I don't. I don't understand this, what happened there, but yeah, just He's a, a very strangely like, drawn guy. Oh my god! I I've never he heard had, of this. He, had, he had a mustache that looked like a caterpillar. He had no eyes. Um, he's a, just a strange-looking dude. No, was he built like a Johnny Bravo? No, no, he was like even slimmer than John Arbuckle, if I if I recall. Um, but yeah, yeah, Lyman Lyman didn't last. And and so an interesting fact too is Lyman technically was Odie's owner. <gasps> so John and Lyman, uh, we are already Did in Lyman it. just abandoned his, Odie. Wait, he all, stole his dog. We're already in it. Well, when Lyman, okay. when Lyman, you know, disappeared, Odie stuck around. So the, the we default. Gotta, I think we got to we got to reel it back because who? We got to start with the big question. Yeah, we'll start with Garfield? the big questions. Who right. the hell is Garfield? For that's our great, listeners that don't know, that's a great question that people have tried to answer for <laughs> dozens of years, for centuries, for centuries. dozens of times. Garfield is, uh, I mean, who needs to explain Garfield? Garfield's one of the most recognizable characters on the planet. Um, he's an orange cartoon cat who originally debuted in 1976, the year after I was born, um, in an extremely commercial, commercially motivated comic strip by a, a Muncie, Indiana artist named Jim Davis. And he rose to prominence very quickly and... Uh, his peak would have been in the 80s when comic strips were everywhere and being adapted into everything uh, and uh, has waned in popularity as comic strips kind of disappeared from uh, newspapers. Which so is bizarre. That's Garfield. Like syndicate to t-shirts and merchandising and being exclusively recognized from merchandising, much mm-hmm. like the Neon Genesis Evangelion shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> He was everywhere. I mean, people, I mean, if you grew up in the 80s, like Garfield was on almost every type of product. Like the chips that we bought when I was a kid were the Garfield Dorito knockoffs. It's just Garfield chips. And it's just like this, it was like a Dorito bag, but it was like three times as long. It was almost like a giant tube. Is this how you gained your power? Like, I I think so. They were cheesier than Doritos, they were really intense. Something about cheap. that's just inherently funny to me. I don't like just like that, that was made that several that went through several rounds of people being like, "Yep, yeah," and then it just exists. I mean, at some point, like because Garfield was on everything and, and everywhere. Like the approvals process must have been just super quick. Like I don't <laughs> think quality was necessarily the top. The licensing need. didn't exist. They were like, "It's we're allowed to print this on everything." J- Jim Davis only ever regretted. Um, uh, one bit of Garfield merchandise, which was a, a zombie Garfield. And I've never seen it, so I don't know. But he said when he approved it, it was like, oh, yeah, it's really cool. It's really gross and kind of gnarly. Like, it was like a zombie. Like, he, they went all yeah. in on the zombie Garfield. And he regretted it later on because he said, what did he say? He said, like, this doesn't, this didn't advance the character, which is just a weird There's no character thing to development. Say. Like I don't, I don't know if Garfield Doritos advanced the character. <laughs> I was going to say I want to think back on that. 
Yeah, the Gar Garfield merchandise, like, like it was a billion dollar a year industry. Um, Jim Davis is probably like, it, Jim Davis is, I'd imagine, the world's richest cartoonist, just based on the amount of money he made in the eighties and nineties. And then he, he sold Garfield to um, what was it, Viacom, CBS Viacom, like last year or two years ago. Oh, I it's didn't like, know that. Yeah, it's like it Jim Davis amazing. still makes the strips uh, and, and the, the books, but uh, the rights, I guess, to Garfield and, and uh, his company, Paws Incorporated, um, lies, lies elsewhere. Yeah, he sold That's his compound, too. He had a crazy compound what? where they made all the Garfield, Garfield stuff. Comp was that okay, the so house that had all the Garfield memorabilia in it, or was that just some guy that I saw on the internet? It might have just been some guy. I think I think yeah. Paws Incorporated did have a room with everything Garfield in it. Like, they had one copy of everything. Um, but uh, I, I don't know the year that he formally created Paws Incorporated, but uh, it, it's actually really fascinating because Garfield blew up to such a degree that he had to bring in, like, a huge number of staff like just to just to handle all the different parts of what they were doing, um, he hired like people to even pencil and ink at one point, right? Yeah, still. I mean, like he comes up with the jokes, and he does like a does a rough sketch according to him, and then he passes it to the the penciler who refines it, the inker, the color, letterer. Um, but beyond that, there's like there, there's a whole merchandise team and marketing team, and like uh, artists who just did like you know character drawings for greeting cards, things like that. So Paws Incorporated, in a lot of ways, it was kind of like one of the first bits of startup culture. Like when you when you look at like old um, photos of uh, uh, the compound or whatever, um, it was this kind of beautiful big building, which I think there was like, I think they had like personal chefs and like massage rooms and things like that. Like things that like you kind of associate with, you know, San Francisco yeah. style startups. Um, just to keep the the employees happy, um, that's what that's what Jim Davis did, and it, almost in a cult like way. Because I forget the actual the slogan, but apparently when you would walk into Paws Incorporated, like they had the company slogan on the wall, which was I'm probably miss saying it, but it was something like if we take care of the cat, the cat takes care of us. This whole thing makes like the surrealist absurdity behind like everything i see in garfield memes now mm -hmm. make much more sense yeah i don't know what to do with this well it's 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 such a strange thing and it's a strange period in time like um jim davis like when he set out to do this like he'd done a couple of comic strips before garfield um kind of testing things out but he he was very commercially minded with it he looked at the comics page and said what works and what doesn't. And he was like, funny animals work, but there are too many dogs. Like, so let's, let's make it a cat then. And things like, well, what, what's relatable? You know, people don't like Mondays. People, <laughs> people want to be lazy. They want to like, you know, eat food and be sarcastic and like very specifically minded as to what he wanted to create um, in order to make a commercially viable product. And it works. It almost and, feels like commercialized autobio comics through the eyes of yeah, like this, you know. Well, the, the, the weird thing is, like, um, I think it was only referenced in the first comic of Garfield, but.
but John Arbuckle's job was a cartoonist. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like he was like yeah. he was supposed to be the stand-in for <laughs> for Jim Davis. Like, so technically, it was kind of autobio. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's a very weird time, and uh, the the strip very much decided to not do social commentary, political commentary, anything like that. They didn't want to offend anyone. They wanted to be just like, you know, like Jim Davis was always like, oh, people go to the other sections of the newspaper for that. Like, why would we get political when everyone else does it so much better? Like, I don't think I'm good enough to do that. And that's kind of his, like, stock answer for things. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, other people are better at that. So we do this. Um, But, you know, it's a very smart play create that giant commercial juggernaut because um because yeah you can it it plays well with everyone it's easily translatable into other countries um for the most part it is has it been translated and like distributed uh internationally outside of like north america it is global it's it's in yeah i think every country except for three maybe like um the interesting thing so here's (laughs) here's something funny um Years ago, I, I had a bunch of friends uh, when I worked at a newspaper. Um, they moved to Abu Dhabi because uh, one of the, the the princes in Abu Dhabi decided to have a vanity project and start a newspaper there, an English newspaper. That was all the rage. So my friends moved there, and um, uh, I was I, I was I, I went out there to see if I liked it enough to kind of take a job there, and I didn't, so I, I never did. But one of my friends there worked for um, the entertainment magazine, and uh, he hired me to find out why Garfield kept sending Nermal, his cousin Nermal, to Abu Dhabi. But that's like an ongoing, that's an, it's an ongoing joke in the comic, right? Like, uh, for people that don't know, there's kind of like this annoying, sweet, cute cat who's like his cousin or whatever, Nermal who keeps popping up and Garfield's revenge is always to, to send Nermal to Abu Dhabi. Puts, puts Nermal in the box, writes Abu Dhabi on it. That's Slaps it. Slaps a sticker on it. Yeah. Ready to go. Yeah. What's Garfield's, yeah. I want to know Garfield's postal rates though. I'm curious where he's getting the deals. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Pause Inc. has a price yeah. cut. You know. Yeah. But so, yeah. So my, my friend Craig wanted to know why Abu Dhabi? <laughs> So, um, so I interviewed Jim Davis. So I, 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 I found the contact info. I, I got through to his assistant. I, I told them the story, and they were tickled enough by the request that I, I got to do a phone interview with Jim Davis. So obviously oh I asked him about a lot of stuff, but um, the Abu Dhabi thing was super revealing because I asked him about that, and he's like, okay. Well, when we first were planning to do it, we knew we wanted to send Nermal far away it couldn't have been like another state it had to be another country we wanted something that felt exotic to the american reader but it couldn't have too long of a name because you have to write it out right and comic Mm -hmm. strips are very short like he said he got together with like a lot of people in pause incorporated and they looked at a map of the world and somebody was like timbuktu and jim davis is like no it takes forever to write out timbuktu like like no one's gonna be able to read it he's a businessman letters cost money he's like, a businessman and, and yeah, so he so... he landed on abu dhabi because the the phrase sounded fun abu dhabi saying it 
And uh, they did further research and realized um, that there was very little risk of America going to war with them, which oh. was a huge consideration. Yeah. Like they, they, they thought it through, like they had meetings for this gag that ended up being one of the big recurring gags in the strip. Like his commercial mindedness was the, yeah, the what's interesting, I feel like in this, yeah, a yeah. lot of writers' rooms and stuff like that do that now, but back then, I'm sure it wasn't something that a cartoonist would necessarily think about. Yeah, yeah, most just kind of work on instinct, and mm-hmm. uh, but his instinct was to think it out and consult others and kind of figure out what's going to bite them in the ass down the line. Um, talking about like kind of the global stuff, um, I asked him a bit about. Uh, Garfield being translated into other countries and he was like it it works really well for the most part but the one place that Garfield couldn't take hold was Japan because Garfield was too lazy they didn't like the fact they didn't like the fact that the cat that the cat was dismissive to its master and, uh, and was lazy and hated Mondays and was gluttonous like those things didn't fly in Japan in the eighties. So mm-hmm. like they, they had a lot of trouble breaking in there. And, and meanwhile, Snoopy, the peanut stuff did much better in Japan as a result of that, which was a, a source of contention between those creators. That's so oh, wild. Really? I, yeah. When you asked, uh, when you got to interview Jim, which I did not know this going in by the way. <laughs> yeah. So real exciting. Yeah. Nice, uh, did you have nice like a particular, reveal. Yeah, yeah, he buried the lead on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have like a particular question that you wanted to ask him? They were like, "Yes, so excited." <laughs> I don't, I don't recall. Like, uh, you know, I didn't want to waste his time. Um, mm-hmm. I, I did bring up like at the time, um, Garfield without Garfield became a thing. I don't know if you remember that. Um, this is like kind of early web comicy days. Um, um, somebody was taking Garfield strips and just erasing Garfield and posting them as comics. <laughs> so it's just so it's just John talking to nothing. I vaguely remember this. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, became, was... it became a, a bit of a sensation to the point where, again, because he's super smart, Jim Davis instead of getting upset at them, you know, hey. co-opting his work, hey. he embraced it and put out a book of it with them, like. Like he knows how to make that money. is Man. amazing. Um, but uh, when that strip was coming out, like I, I, I was angry because in high school, what I would do was I would take Garfield books and I would go through and I would get rid of Garfield's thought balloons because nobody can hear his thoughts. So like when you read the strip and it's just Garfield without the thought balloons, yeah, it's just John is John saying something to Garfield like Talk. Garfield, what are you doing lying around like this today? And then silence, and then John smirking at the reader. Like, John just looks like he's lost his fucking mind in those strips. And so I would do that, and it would crack me up, crack my friends up. And so when I talked to Jim Davis, I said, uh, you know, um, the Garfield without Garfield is, you know, fun, and people like it, but I'm pretty upset because I came up with, like, a better version of that when I was in high school (laughs) by defacing your books. And he laughed, and he said, said, no, I, I get it, like, He's like, in the 70s, I came up with the idea for a pet rock. And then pet rocks became huge. And he was upset about that when he was younger. <(laughs) So we bonded on that. Which was nice. 
But then, uh, Liana, you might remember this, my second Jim Davis encounter, if you were reading Sex Criminals at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, When Sex Criminals started, and we we were doing quite well and getting a lot of recognition, um, you know, we got... We felt we were big enough that we could ask Jim Davis for a uh, cover. So uh, I reached out to them. I reached out again. And I was just like, hey, you know, uh, Mr. Davis, you maybe remember me. You know, I interviewed you a couple years ago. Well, I'm doing this book and it's like Time Magazine's comic of the year. And like, we're doing really well. And like, we would love it if you do uh, a cover for us. You know, it doesn't have to be sexual, obviously. Um, And like, you know, we tried to couch it in as, as many niceties as possible. Um, and I, I, I sent this message along and uh, didn't hear back and I didn't hear back. And I'm like, well, you know, it was worth a shot. This to his, um, his PR uh, woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, she eventually got back to me and said, so um, Jim really appreciates you thinking of him, but, um, but he doesn't feel he's up to the task of doing uh, a proper comic book cover. Like he thinks those are um, beyond his abilities. Like, you know, like he's just, he's giving, he's giving me a line, right? The like, polite, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, again, the political. Evasive. Yeah. And he was like, you know, I leave that to the, the pros, like, you know, uh, like Gary Barker and like he was listing artists at work for him. <laughs> I love that. It wasn't even like, I'm sorry. I'm so busy. Just, yeah. Yeah. Like, he could have done. Well, anything. so, well, so I know he could have done anything, but like, so what happened was, um, uh, in, in that email, the assistant said, but he's, he's going to be sending you something else. So what's your address? So I like, gave my address and was like, what the fuck's happening? He's going to show up to your house. No, no. Keep, keep, keep in mind, I've been, yeah. keep in mind, I've been very public about my love of Garfield at the sex criminals launch party at a sex club. I dressed in a full Garfield costume and read <laughs> erotic poetry while my, my co-creator, Matt Fraction, was getting his nipples pierced on stage. Like, we're all in. There's a lot like of photos. A, there's a lot of photos of me dressed as Garfield, and so, um, so many. And so, and uh, not even just for the newspaper, just you know, just, just so many. Outside. Yeah. So you know, flash forward like maybe a week or two, and this package shows up, and I'm like so excited. I'm I'm standing in the kitchen with my wife, and I'm like I'm all shaking. I'm just like this is this is nuts. I got I I can't imagine what's in here, and I open it up, and I pull it out. And it's a drawing Jim Davis did of Garfield dressed like me. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it's a perfect Garfield colored with pencil crayon <laughs> and inked. And he's pulled off uh, a Chip Zdarsky mask. And, and, and there's, there's like an inscription on it that basically says like, well, he uses my real name, which is Steve. And he goes like, Hey, bet you didn't know that Steve or uh, Garfield has a Steve Murray costume. <laughs> uh, all the best, Jim Davis. With like a lovely note on Garfield's stationery to go with it, which both of those got framed immediately. And I was about to say you immediately insured these, yeah. uh, lock them in museum case quality glass. Yeah. It's um, yeah. uh, it's probably my most prized possession. Understandably. Yeah. Though I mean, it, he ended up doing some comic stuff as a result of this because a few years after that Ryan North the writer of Squirrel Girl he wanted to do an issue of Squirrel Girl with a bunch of guest artists and he had an idea to do Garfield style strips featuring you know Galactus and Silver Surfer I think and uh, um, uh, he, 
he asked me if I knew how to get in touch with Jim Davis. I'm like, I actually do. <laughs> I gave him the contact <laughs> info and Jim Davis did a bunch of uh, Squirrel Girl comics and Squirrel Girl because I think his son or daughter was a big fan of Squirrel Girl. Wild. Yeah. That is that's, wild. Yeah. That's a little thing I really love about comics where you kind of can meet some of these like idols or like what like yeah. I, I don't think of Jim Davis often. It's just like Garfield is like a ubiquitous thing. But just to hear yeah. like, oh, he's a nice guy that I was able to get in touch with and yeah treated me like a human in in comics yeah yeah. i say like 99 percent of creators are approachable i yeah i agree with that which is which is fantastic like that's there's there's not there's not a lot yeah yeah, there's not a lot else where you can say that like you think of movie tv stars like there's there's not that musicians there's not that either um but yeah, like I would I, argue I, with the musician one only a tiny bit, but only my only reserve is that they are probably ten times more um, in, like reclusive than mm-hmm. artists are. But well, I, I don't I don't know about that. The older artists, like, <laughs> yeah, you're like, but like, but you're like gonna be Van Halen uh, yeah. anytime soon, yeah. But like, I've got a much better chance of like. Like, uh, I remember being at like San Diego Comic Con, and I was right by um, Mike McNola's table, and oh, he's like God. he's hand selling mm-hmm. books, and like people he are chatting with them, and like but if you think shakes your hand and everything, if you think like oh well I get to well I get to do that with Ron Perlman who was Hell Hellboy probably yeah. not like it'll be a lot <laughs> more you awkward. Seventy-five dollars for it? Yeah, you won't see him behind the table just like standing and chatting with a whole bunch of people like. It's just not how that how that works. But with comic creators, it's 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 so easy to kind of gain access to them. Um, yeah, you make I you make really good points, and I would also agree that you too, as a creator, have like given that to a lot of people, which um, I have often told people in the industry. But you're actually one of the creators that I somewhat, I guess started pursuing comics but then like after meeting you like we had met you when you're at TCOF and like Mm -hmm. I I was already all in prior to just like working at a comic shop yeah but you were super supportive and like one of the creators that facilitates and like you're like yeah it's great easy do it (laughs) yeah it's great easy do it (laughs) yeah that's my fault I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, you can blame Chip for all of my uh, successes and failures I totally suckered I, you into this career. Yeah. <laughs> I always saw you were always so funny that I was like, I don't feel like I can talk to him until I feel like I can be funny. And and mm. so I was always like at TCAF, I was like, I'm not gonna wait in line. Like I know he's funnier than me, so I don't know what I would say to him. And it's I got classic, nervous. I was like, I'll just walk it's away. a classic mistake that I've also made with others. Um like there have been there have been instances at shows, but more often after the show, like if you go to the bar where everyone's hanging out, mm-hmm. um, like I'm, 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 yeah, I'm very conscious. I went to like, it was an image party one year after Sex Criminals came out and I kind of realized everything changed for me when I walked in and I could feel everyone looking at me because it was just kind of at that height, uh, the, yeah. the, the comic was, and we were like the hot new things, even though we were so old. But I walked in, I'm like, oh <laughs> shit, like everyone's looking at me. That's weird. But then it would be it would be the guys who had a couple of drinks that thought they were really fucking funny, and they want to come up and show me how funny they are. 
but I remember one, it was just so embarrassing. Like, I've, I've, I always try to be really pleasant. And so, like, this guy came up to me with his buddies, like, hey, Chip, how's it going? I'm like, oh, pretty good. You? Ah, oh, pretty good. Oh, man, I was just thinking about this one time. Then just told me this rambling story from his past that had nothing to do with anything. And I think it just kind of trailed off. He's like, I don't know why I just told you that. <laughs> I'm like, you're a one man like comedy, uh, yeah, you know, audience at yeah. all times now. In, in the back of my head, I'm just like, well, I know exactly why you told me that, but uh, I was like, you know, I tried to make him feel good. Oh no, that's a funny story, man. Thanks for sharing. Like, it's got nothing to do with anything, but like, yeah, that that tends to be the thing at, at shows and. Um, uh, and like I said, at the, at the bar con, which is a lot of people wanting to show me that they're really interesting or show me that they're really funny. And, yeah. Like uh, hit it off like know. right away instantly. Like first three words they say, you're like, I am, I cannot take my eyes off of you. That's how engaging you are. They want to compliment yes. you by yeah. also showing by that being funny. cool. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I've done it. I've done it as recently as like a year ago, two years ago. Like, um, like I was, I was a fan of, um, like Scott Ackerman, Paul F. Tompkins, the comedy Bang Bang, that kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, um, you just got recently interviewed by 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 Paul. Paul. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, well before that, like um, they were coming to town to do um, uh, the show with Lauren Lapkus, and for like just for laughs in Toronto, and 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 Scott reached out to me. He was like, "Hey, man, like, do you want?" Do you want uh, free tickets or whatever? You want to hang out backstage afterwards? I'm like, yeah. And so yeah. me and my buddy is a huge fan. Like, you know, we, we say yes and we go and, you know, I, I, I text with uh, uh, Ackerman to be like, yeah, yeah, no, we're, we're on the audience. Like, let us know when we come backstage and the show ended. We went backstage and like, just something, something happens in your head. And like, all of a sudden I'm just trying to be funny. I'm just trying to be funny. I'm just telling like outrageous <laughs> stories after having a couple of beers and like they're very polite, and they're putting up with me. <laughs> very polite. I was about to say, who's your like number one person that you just like have completely crumbled in front of? Like just... I wouldn't even say that I crumbled. Like I don't get nervous um, when meeting people, but like that was just a case where I'm like these are funny guys. I'm gonna be funny. I'm like yeah. hard, hard not to. Yeah. Just... Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. And then they were, you know, they they laughed at the jokes, and they were very pleasant, but. Uh, probably not the best move <laughs> do you have anyone in comics that you'd say is like uh i don't know somebody that you'd want to impress uh now that obviously not at an image party or anything like that but like going up to their booth uh it's hard because like you know there is that thing you know never meet your heroes there have been a few instances yeah. where i've like you know met um, comic creators that you know did the books that got me into comics when I was a kid, and it's just like I was just another person, and like I get that. Like, yeah, you go up, and I'm like, hey, you know, this got me into comics, and I'm like, uh-huh. yeah, here you go, <laughs> here, here you go. Um, <laughs> Denial. I, yeah, I get both sides of that because it's yeah, you can't probably yeah. get so burnt out from that. And, and no, and I, I, I get it too. Like, I'm, yeah. um, uh. Like like I, I was doing comic conventions like as a as a as a fan when I was like eighteen nineteen and I remembered a, f- a few instances, you know, feeling a little let down or um, having a bad run in with a creator and uh, those things always stick with you and um, I noticed like when I started doing shows as a professional, um, at least when I was actually 
producing where people wanted um, that uh, they only have they have some in some cases 30 seconds a minute two minutes with you uh, and they're going to remember that two minutes like everything happens in that two minutes they're going to remember yep. I'm not going to remember it at all because I'm I have like a hundred of those two minute things back to back over the next few hours um the moment that like i let my guard down and i'm having a rough time or i just fucked up a drawing whatever i'm in a bad mood um i I don't want them to go away with that as their impression because that's a shitty thing to to have as your takeaway like yeah i went up to chip sarcy's table and he just kind of like mumbled and signed a book and gave it to me it could have just been like one minute of my day where i felt that way but it really sucks for that other person when they've got uh, like a, an image of you in their mind and how that interaction is going to go, um, whether or not they're trying to impress me or whatever, like, or open right. up to me about something. Like, yeah, that's, there's a certain responsibility there at a show to. That's a really good takeaway, I think, because it's yeah. easy to get burnt out at conventions. Like, I'm still freaking no oh, yeah. in comics, yeah. but like, I'm I'm feeling burnt out and bummed out, and then somebody just talks to you, and yeah, you can absolutely ruin their day and not remember it. Yeah. 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 More than likely that's what's happening. <laughs> yeah. I've, yeah, I've done it. I've, I've been on both ends of it. And then, or sometimes even like, what was it? It was a couple of years ago. I think it was at Emerald city. Um, you know, I was, I was signing and there's a lineup and um, somebody just kind of came up off to the side and put down a copy of like justice league international number one in a bag and board in front of me and goes, Hey, just want to drop that off. Uh, bye. I was gone. I was like, what? And I kind of, I opened it up after I had a break. Mm-hmm. Justice League is one of my favorite books. And uh, there was a note in there with it that said, hey, you probably don't remember me. I came by yesterday um, and uh, I said some things that I really regret. And I think I was kind of poking fun a bit too much. And I feel really bad for that. So I went and tracked this down. I know you really love Justice League. So I wanted to give this to you as a gift to apologize. Oh, wow. I have no recollection of this happening. You're gonna make me no. cry on a podcast. <laughs> no, but but it's like hey, yeah. Any way to contact them again? It went like, by so quick. Yeah. No, there's there's no contact info on it at all. Like, um, and that's the thing. It went by so quick, and like, they probably said some disparaging thing that I didn't even pick up on. Like, yeah. probably like, oh, you know, you a bit you wish you were doing this instead of that, right? Like something <laughs> innocuous. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, you know, this is fun too, and then you know, fine, and I hand it to them, <laughs> and they walk away with their buddy, just like fuck what did i just do oh he must hate me but the 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 opposite is true it's like i don't remember i've been on i've been on the opposite end of that i i met when i first started getting into comics was like 2017 um i met by the way i don't know just a baby i'm literally i'm literally like five years old yeah (laughs) i um i met andrew andrew mclean was like a huge influence especially early on yeah and he also lived in the same area as me. He's from Massachusetts. So I was like, oh, mm-hmm. shit. Like, since when do I meet somebody that is an influence that exists near me? And I met him at Mice in, in Cambridge. Okay. Yeah. And I just tripped over all my words, like stuttered and like turned bright red and yeah. was like, I, th- I think I was like, can we take it? Can I take a picture with you? Because I don't know how to talk to oh, uh, yeah. influences. Yeah. And I was just like, I fucked that up so bad. I was so weird. And I went back the next day and was like, I'm sorry, I was so fucking weird. And yeah, yeah. I was like, can I get a commission and then not bother you? And he's like, I do not even remember meeting you. And I, was yeah. like, <laughs> I love that you're like, let me pay you money and then never yeah. bother you again. It's a, it's a, it's a hard I, thing because like, um, you don't want to say 
like he handled it the way he handled it. Like I probably wouldn't yeah. say I don't even remember you. I probably would be no, like, no, no, he, no wasn't, he wasn't rude at all. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, was yeah. Like, <laughs> He's like, oh, don't worry. I'm sure he's like, if if you were weird, I don't remember yeah. any instance of weird. Like it wasn't rude at all. Yeah, yeah, it was just like I didn't sleep well that night, but he definitely did not think about it at all. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I've, I'm Aww. still thinking about it. Yeah, so I, I get that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of kind of anxiety that we carry throughout the day is based on us being concerned with what others think of us when the sad or great truth is people aren't thinking of us. (laughs) You're constantly thinking about the perception of others, like, constantly. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And like, especially as a creator. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, once you start doing a few years of Marvel DC work, uh, that gets a little bit I'd... less because <laughs> hate, haters are going to hate and it's like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> what am I going to yeah. about that? Like, People love their long-running licensed IPs. Yeah, yeah, and I can't even get can't even be upset about um, disparaging comments about me in regards to like Spider-Man or whatever because I'm just like, like, I don't know, like, that's the world that's in their head. Like, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah comics um sorry we went way off the garfield track <laughs> i know mean, it's perfect in a lot, i was just yeah, about I, to say do we want to take a quick pause See yeah, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm good for as long as you need me we're, All right, we're in we not only had a phenomenal drink break but we experienced a 35 minute uh te- technical difficulty right? mm-hmm. technical difficulty what's even more incredible about it is that i've already had an extra drink in between them we, ta- <laughs> we talked about sweaty tea calf stuff we talked about uh you know dream not dream ips but i guess what you would do or how to kill off characters of certain ips i got and- i got put in my place a lot of Absolutely. juicy secrets. Yeah, all the stuff yeah. that I needed to hear. Yeah. 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 This is more of an intervention for you, really. <laughs> so where do you go from here, right. gang? Well, do you feel we... like it was all done in vain? It might be because I can't hear Chip now. <laughs> oh no. Oh yeah. <laughs> <We> should... <laughs> Fuck. Oh my god. Okay. Are you just dying right now? <laughs> no, I'm I'm back. Okay, good. <laughs> oh darn. Okay. It's frozen on mine. Well, maybe it's we can just back a little bit. We can get him to write in, so we can just attach a screenshot of his reply when we're like. Am I that's back? true. Sorry for the technical you. difficulty. Yeah. Yeah. Am I back? Um, I know that we can't hear Chip, but uh, he if he us. were here, I bet. Oh. He might be back. Wow. Wish him. Okay, cool. I'm I'm glad I'm not the only one that had uh, technical (laughs) difficulties. I was like, I I think the last week, I was like, did did we do this all in vain? And then I said, I am so sorry. That you disappeared. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I was going to say, at least Uh, I'm grateful for you coming on, taking the time, and it was nice to, to meet you. But where can everyone. We got to do the basics. Where can everyone find you? Ah, oh, who gives a shit? All right. Yeah, they can do it. That's I've I've said that before. If they want to find you, if they want to find me. They they'll can find do me. It. 
Well, really, the only thing I, I'm here to promote is Manga Explaining, which is my podcast, which you can find uh, on all sorts of social media at Manga Explaining, as it sounds. And uh, yeah, and, and uh, every week we discuss another uh, uh, book from Japan, and uh, and I learn more about manga every week. I was like, was this your deliberate plan to secretly take over the podcasting universe and? You, know. yeah, you you can have it. We're done. we're yeah. about ready. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, do you want drunk history? You know, comics. We can yeah. give that to you. Comics too. and you read. Yeah, that's nah, fine. <laughs> well, well, it's here when you want it. Just let all us, right. Just shoot us an email. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> make you a key. Yeah. <laughs> Chip, I seriously, I can't thank you enough. I already said that in the uh, deleted format stuff, but. Uh-huh. Uh, you are wonderful. I cannot thank you enough for coming on and thanks for being a great creator that people can always reach out to and, uh, awkwardly make a funny joke to. And, you know, you... yeah. Thanks for making everyone always... feel like they got to be funny. Yeah. Make them feel like they're appreciated. You, you're, you're great. You're great. You know what? So. All of that ditto. <laughs> <laughs> that works. You know what? I, I'll, that means a lot. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll right, take it. All right. Awesome. Thank you.